We're looking at the Psalms during this Advent season, Psalms that specifically tell us the Lord is. We've seen already that the Lord is our keeper. He guards us, He watches us, He keeps us in every situation. We've seen that the Lord is judge, and what good news that is. This morning we're going to see that the Lord is our strength. Here now, God's word for his people, Psalm 28 of David. He writes, To you, O Lord, I call, my rock, be not deaf to me, lest, if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward your most holy sanctuary. Do not drag me off with the wicked, with the workers of evil who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. Give to them according to their work and according to the evil of their deeds. Give to them according to the work of their hands. Render them their due reward. Because they do not regard the works of the Lord or the works of his hands, he will tear them down and build them up no more. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exults and with my song I give thanks to him. The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. This is the word of the Lord. Before I spent thousands of, of dollars to get my seminary education and degree, I used to get my Christian education from other sources one of them being VeggieTales. Uh, if you can believe it, there was not one, but two VeggieTales movies. And in the second one, we meet a princess and her brother. You see, they're, they're in trouble. That's the classic damsel in distress. And so what she, do, what she does is release this magic summoning ball. It's going to travel through time and find warriors that, are, that have the strength and the capability to help them. What she gets instead are three vegetables who transform into, and I'm not making this up, the pirates who don't do anything. There's even a song. I hope you don't know it. Uh, what she and her brother needed was strength, protection, defeat of her enemies, rescue, what she got instead was weakness and broken promises. Now you tell me if this relates. Anyone feeling tired? The kind of tired that a nap just won't cure. Anyone feeling overwhelmed at what the gospel demands of us? Loving your enemies, standing strong in the face of persecution, always being prepared to give a defense for the hope that is in you? Do you feel overwhelmed? as the idea of continuing in your struggles for the rest of your life. These things and more can make us feel weak. But the good news of the gospel is that we are not left to our own strength. We do not serve a weak God. 
We depend on an all-powerful God, the Lord who is our strength. And so this morning, we're going to see how the Lord is our strength, and we're going to see these three things that are up on your screens now. We're going to see that the Lord responds to the righteous, the Lord repays the wicked, and the Lord rescues his people. That is how the Lord is our strength. And so first, look how David describes the Lord as a real God in verses 1 and 2. He is able to hear and respond. Otherwise, David wouldn't ask the Lord to not be deaf to him. He wouldn't say, lest if you be silent. He wouldn't say, hear the voice of my pleas for mercy in verse 2, if this were not a real God. Why does David ask God to not be deaf, to not be silent? Because so many things are. So many other things and gods are. There are no magic summoning balls that are coming to your rescue. When you yell at the TV, it will not respond back to you. When your boat, your car, your lawnmower won't start, yelling at it doesn't make it start. When we beg our investments to make money and stop taking a nosedive, they don't usually listen. But God not only can, he does respond to the righteous. And now when you hear that word righteous, you might, you might cringe a little bit, right? You might think that God only responds to people that are really good. That if you obey, God will hear you, and therefore if you don't, he won't. And so, because I've been asking God for things and he seemingly does not respond, it must be because I'm not righteous. It must be because I'm not obeying enough. I should have more faith and obey more. Well, to be sure, there are things that hinder our prayers. Let's not ignore scripture. But it is not God's ability to hear. Look at Isaiah. Isaiah writes in chapter 59, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened. Think of T-Rex arms that can't reach something. He's not shortened so that it can't save. He's not weak. Or his ear dull that he cannot hear. He's not deaf. That's not the reason your prayers aren't being answered. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. The Lord reminds us that through Isaiah that our sins can hinder our relationship to God and therefore our prayers. Peter likewise reminds husbands in 1 Peter 3. To live with your wives in an understanding way so that your prayers may not be hindered. Our prayers can be hindered. Why are these passages in Scripture? Are your prayers conditional on your behavior? Do we have to be good in order for God to respond to us? I immediately uh, thought of, of my children. Don't read into that too much. Um, my children always ask me and my wife uh, during dinner time, can we have a special treat? Can, can we have a little treat after? What do you think our answer is? It's usually, it depends. If you've been screaming and throwing food and misbehaving and being disrespectful, the answer more often than not is no, you may not have a special treat. But I want to get into why. Why do we have that rule and why do you have similar 
ways of, of handling your children. Is it a punishment? No, it's love. Screaming and misbehaving and being disrespectful and throwing your food is not good for my children nor their parents. And if this is how they're behaving without sugar, so because I love you, children, because I love you, son and daughters, no, you may not have more sugar. They were asking for something that I judged to be not good for them. So out of love, I responded to them, just not the way they wanted me to. The Lord responds to the righteous Christian, but when we are in sin, meaning when we are continuing in sin without repentance, that affects our, our minds. It affects our hearts. It affects what we want and do not want. So rather than asking for good and holy things, we ask for selfish things. I want more clothes, new clothes, prettier clothes, nicer clothes, new car, new boat, new house, more things, better things. We ask for God to change others instead of changing our hearts. Lord, would you help my wife to realize how wrong she is? Would you help my children to see how, how terribly misbehaved they are? We do what James says in, in chapter 4, verse 3. You ask and you do not receive, not because God does not love you, not because God hates giving good things to his children, but because you are asking for things that are not good. You ask wrongly. So how do we know that God will not be silent or deaf to us? How do we know that God will respond to our prayers? Is it when I'm really good? Or at least more good than bad? Is it when I'm really sorry and promise to do better? Or is it when I'm asking for good things? No, Christian, hear this. And because we're Presbyterians, write it down. God does not respond to you because you are holy. God responds to you because you are His. God does not respond to you because you are holy. He responds to you because you are His. Jesus tells us this. In Matthew chapter 7, he gives the illustration that we are all familiar with. Which one of you, if his son or daughter asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if you ask for fish, will give him a snake instead? None of you, I hope. And so if you then, who are evil and sinful and wicked and don't always do things perfectly, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father who is in heaven. How much more? There is a prerequisite to receiving good things from the Father. But it is not your good deeds. It is not your right thinking. It is ownership. Are you His? And the good news of the gospel is that in order to become His, you need nothing more and nothing less than to trust in Jesus Christ, His Son, because He makes you His. Jesus tells us so in John chapter 10. If you're, if you're turning there, I'm skipping a few verses. Here's verse 7. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whenever Jesus says that, pay attention. I am the door of the sheep. What do you do with a door? You enter. He jumps, I'm jumping to verse 9. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. 
find blessing. Verse 14, who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus that we serve and worship and gather together to praise? He is the good shepherd. Not only does he know you, but you know him. He knows your voice when you ask, and you know who you're asking things for. Christian, you know that you will be heard because the Lord Jesus Christ knows your voice and the power of the gospel, the strength that you have in Christ is that you know that even when your prayers are not answered the way that you want them to be, whether it's because of sin or not, that you are being given something even better than what you asked for. That strengthens us. That gives us confidence to pray. And it enables us to say, as David did in verse 6, Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. That is how the Lord strengthens us, because the Lord responds to the righteous. And that's exactly what we need. He asked for mercy. And that's exactly what we need, because without mercy, we are considered among the wicked. And as we're going to see, just as the Lord responds to the righteous, he also repays the wicked. There's a consistent message throughout Scripture that the wicked will be judged according to their works. That's not really up for debate. What I want to look at is the gospel in that truth. Why is it good news for us that the wicked will be repaid, that the Lord repays the wicked? Notice first who the wicked are. In this context, it's not murderers, human traffickers, or bank robbers, though those people are certainly wicked. In verse 3, it's the workers of evil. Do not drag me off with the wicked, with the workers of evil, who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. We too often let ourselves and others off the hook because we don't commit any of the big sins. But God reminds us that wickedness takes many forms, including hypocrisy and gossip and conspiring against others. And the psalmist isn't asking for anything but fair judgment. Look at verse 4. He simply says, Give to them according to their work and according to the evil of their deeds. Give to them according to the work of their hands. Render them their due reward. And the Lord is our strength because of the promise that we read in verse 5. The promise that He will tear them down and build them up no more. The Lord is our strength because he does not allow evil to go unpunished, though it might seem like it at times. And the knowledge of that ultimate justice, this idea that they will be torn down and never rebuilt, that liars won't continue to lie, that thieves won't continue to steal, that abusers will one day never abuse again, it should cause God's people to rejoice because that is good news. I realize now the, the grand shift that this is, but in the movie Tangled, it, it's Disney's very loose adaptation of the story of Rapunzel. Uh, if you haven't seen it, in this version, Rapunzel was born with, with magical hair uh, that would heal anything it touches. 
whenever a, a special song was sung. But because of that ability, she was also stolen as a baby by an evil witch, Mother Gothel. Um, as you can imagine, it, it was not a pleasant childhood. Um, she lied to Rapunzel constantly, kept her trapped in that tower, and constantly mistreated her. Well, one day, Rapunzel found out the truth. She found out that her mother was after her and why, and so she cut off all her hair. No magical powers. And so the very magic that kept Mother Gothel alive and looking young for all those years was destroyed, and she was destroyed along with it. So my question for you this morning is, whether you've seen the movie or not, was Rapunzel sad when Mother Gothel was destroyed? No. She was thrilled that this wicked woman was torn down and would never be rebuilt. She was joyful that she would never be tortured or even threatened again. In fact, the whole city danced and threw a party and there was dancing and singing and music and it was a big celebration just like we read of in Proverbs chapter 11. We read that when it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices and when the wicked perish, there are shouts of gladness. Now, the reason you've been squirming in your chair for the past five minutes is because we're, we're rightly steeped in grace. We rightly believe that we should have grace towards those who sin against us, even those who sin against us greatly. After all, we read this in Romans chapter 12, which is really a summary of the entire gospel. Bless those who persecute you. Don't, don't rejoice at their downfall. Bless them. Bless and do not curse. He continues on by saying, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. We are undoubtedly called and commanded to love even our enemies. But how can we do so? How can, we, how can we have something evil happen to us and not repay it? How can we suffer injustice and not seek vengeance? Because of what Paul says right after, literally, the next verse. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay says the Lord. So should we rejoice when the wicked are repaid or should we show them love? If you've known me for more than 10 minutes, you know my favorite phrase, false dichotomy. Two things can be true at one time. The answer is yes. Yes. In so much as someone aligns themselves with evil and wickedness, we pray and hope for that wickedness to be put to an end. While at the same time, praying for the salvation and redemption of that person for their heart to change. That is the strength that we are given in Christ. Our vengeance would be imperfect and incomplete. It would be pitiful compared to what God is going to do and is doing to evil. So we leave it to God's 
perfect, holy, and complete justice. We don't just let it go. But because we don't have to worry about justice, we can focus on the grace that we have been shown and respond accordingly. And so Paul continues in Romans chapter 12. He says, rather than seek out your own vengeance, rather than being angry or petty, rather than holding a grudge and withholding forgiveness, he says, to the contrary, the exact opposite. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That is the strength that you have. The real power. We kid ourselves by the movies we watch and, and the shows we, we consume. We kid ourselves into thinking that justice is vengeance. We're, we're, we're shortchanging ourselves by the, by the movies that we watch and the justice that we, we see on the screens. That is not real justice. The Lord will repay and we rejoice. We who were once counted among the wicked, we who once deserved to be repaid by the Lord, are now counted among the righteous. And so we can show the love that we have been shown. Amen. And because we have been shown this love, we do not fear the judgment of the wicked. Rather, we rejoice because as we will see, the Lord does respond to the righteous, the Lord does repay the wicked, but the Lord rescues His people. Look at the good news David rejoices in. The Lord hasn't just heard our pleas for mercy. He is our strength. He is our shield. In Him your heart can trust because you are helped. You are actually helped. It's great that we have a God who hears us. It's great that He responds. It's wonderful that evil and wickedness will not exist forever, but will one day be dealt with and destroyed. That is good news. But because of the pervasiveness of sin, we need more than just a little help. We need a rescue. Because we might not have literal enemies chasing us like David did. But all of us are going through something. And God may or may not rescue you from your particular situation in this life. At times God will heal his people from sickness. While at other times we are called to deal with a disease or a condition for the rest of our lives. At times God's people are blessed financially. And at other times it is very obvious that we depend on him for our daily bread. Almost all the time, God's people have to deal with difficult relationships. What gives us the strength to endure? It is the knowledge that while those things can be horrible and traumatic, they are not your real enemy, Christian. They are not your real problem. There's an there's a old famous riddle it goes something like this. Uh, you take a nap in your house and you wake up from your nap to find that the curtains are gone. Your wallpaper is peeling and the water in your cup is boiling. Curtains are gone. Wallpaper is peeling. Water in your cup is boiling. Which one do you deal with first? None. Your house is on fire. 
Those troubling things in your life are symptoms of a much greater problem that the Bible calls sin. It includes both the sins you're guilty of and the sins that we are victims of. And just as the psalm tells us, we are not just heard or understood, we are helped. Many of you read the beginning of Matthew during this Advent season. Do you remember why Jesus came in the first place? Do you remember why Jesus has the name that he has? Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. The angel tells Joseph about, about his wife Mary and says, She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus for a very specific reason. Because he will save his people from their sins. That's what we need. That's what we need to be rescued from. He didn't promise the Israelites to save them from Roman oppression. He doesn't promise you to save you from a certain political party or from your annoying parents or from your misbehaving children. He promises to rescue his people from the real problem, from the fire in the house, our sins. How does he do that? Through the cross. We've addressed how the Lord repays the wicked. And because of our sins, we, we should be counted among the wicked who deserve to die an eternal death. That is the reality. But in Colossians chapter 2, this is the good news that we read. It says you. Internalize that. You. You who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. How did he do this? He did it by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. You were rescued, Christian, from the record of debt that your sins accrued. And so now, in the strength that God has given us, we can shake off our guilty fears. We can approach the throne of God with confidence. We can fight the good fight in the strength that God has given. And so when you put on the whole armor of God to fight the schemes of the devil, to fight the temptations that are in your heart, to fight the temptations of the world, remember the verse that comes right before. Remember the verse that starts off this whole conversation of the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might, not yours. When it becomes tempting to put all your energy and time into accumulating more money and more stuff. When you want to lash out in anger and lose all control. Remember, when you are tired, when you are just so very tired, remember the good news that we will end with. From Colossians chapter 1. This is the good news and we're going to end with this. Remember Christian that we are being strengthened with all power. According to his glorious might. For all endurance and patience with joy. We are giving thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has already Delivered us from the domain of darkness 
He has already transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have what we really need. Not a change of circumstances, not more free time, not more friends, not more money. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen indeed. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for the good news of the gospel. The gospel that gives strength to the weary, confidence to the downtrodden. Thank you that you will indeed deal with evil so that we don't have to worry about dealing with it on our end. Thank you that we have that confidence that injustice will not go unpunished. Thank you that you do indeed respond to your people, not because we are righteous, but because you have made us righteous, because we are yours. And so in that confidence, Lord, let us leave this place strengthened. Let us leave this place with a desire to do what is good, to do what is right, to place the bulk of our energy and our resources and our time into what really matters. Help us to share the gospel in all that we do. Help us to be patient. Help us to be kind. Help us to love sacrificially. And help us to do all this in the strength of your glorious might. And so we pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.